best ISO? Rack it up, rack it up, I got a bit of the bank to make me a safe house Shake it up, shake it up, she got her hands on her knees and she bringing the cake out Smoke it up, smoke it up, I got some gas, some packs, I'm up in the greenhouse Ball it up, ball it up, I'm with the gang, we taking shots off the rebound I gotta do that <laughs> Alright, yeah. uh, good morning and welcome to Walking Out of Lockdown I'm Mark Abizid, photojournalist, filmmaker, and cultural specialist Today I'm sitting here with Ricardo Leon um, a young filmmaker, editor, who I first met at Ethnograph Film. Um, he presented an amazing film on mm. the issues of sand and how something as simple as sand could be a prime commodity for indigenous people and a place of conflict. So mm. today we want to catch up on where things are. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> uh, it's great to see you again. Um, yeah, Let's go back to uh, New Year's, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. You're looking mm. forward to the year. How did mm. you see your year? What was going to happen this year? What were your thoughts? What was your mood? Right. So back then, I have a visit from my mom. So that took a lot of uh, space in my mind, like, you know, taking her out. It was her first time here. But at the same time, I was running... Uh, some sort of uh, internship that I was going to start in January this year. So, and at the same time, I have another job, which is like my, you know, uh, pay rent job, you know, and uh, that it also takes a lot of time. But um, my first goal in this 2020 was to survive that internship because it was not pay. It was supposed to be six months, non-pay, as an editor assistant in a full-time uh, schedule. Nice. And, and that for me was like, okay, I can manage that, you know, and then I can, but I, I talked to the guy, to the, my boss, and I told him that, you know, I do this for a living. And as you understand, I'm not Danish. And uh, when you are Danish, it's much easier because then you have something called Daupenge, which mm -hmm. is like, a, you know, uh, a support. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you, and they, they were actually looking for someone who, you know, have that option because it's much easier for them to, they, you know, you don't have to worry about like, is he having a bad time or what? And uh, so they, they gave me the, the position and I, uh, I did a few, let's say I work a few days in December mm -hmm. and then I was going to start in 2nd of January. And we did. At the time, the Corona thing was nothing in my head. I mean, Maybe I heard or read somewhere that there was something going on in China. I don't know how to feel about that, but uh, yeah, that's how it was. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that's but, what uh, we all heard first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is something happening, and that was it. But so in my head, for the this year was like, you know, survive those six months, get the job at the end, and uh, luckily, by the end of the first month, they offer me. Uh, a full-time job, like a, a payment. Uh, okay. You know? So, like the job itself. They, they, I don't know. I mean, I know that my editor, my, I mean, I, I'm a, my boss is a producer, but uh, the editor is also my boss. But I mean, mm -hmm. I know he kind of like, uh, he felt like, okay, this guy know what he's doing. And then uh, he talked to the, the producer and, you know, pay this guy. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's keep him. Let's keep him here at the office. So by the end of, um, January, I got the job, but then, I mean, I was going to get started 
start getting paid in March. <laughs> so, okay, I can survive those two. I mean, from six to two, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, luckily, I mean, you know, things align when you feel like you're going the right direction. The pandemia, the Corona thing came at the same time I was going to start getting paid. And of course, there was a lot of doubt with my contract, not because they say anything, but uh, I could feel like all the investor in the project that we are working were also like, we were also like, okay, what, what, what's going to happen? Yeah. Inge, by the way, she, my wife, she was traveling. Uh, she was on a trip to Colombia. Uh, she also had her plans of showing the documentary you saw in the community and all that. And so, uh, so for, I, I think there were at least, at least two weeks, one week. I, I cannot remember the, the day when Denmark, you know, officially locked down the borders and, you know, people should work from home and all that. But at least there was a one week where I was like sitting in my computer, like, what should I, what, what am I supposed to be doing? Uh, like I brought the equipment from the office to here to home, but at the same time, communication, a lot of stuff came in that first week. A lot mm -hmm. of stuff. My editor had a kid, a baby that same week, oh the my. same week of the lock lockdown. Right. Right. Uh, and that's his, my, the first guy to talk, you know, to know what, what I should be doing first. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was crazy, but, okay. um, all right. Uh, Let me, because I want to keep this in segments that, that I can easily yeah. put together. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a great answer. Let's keep them a little bit shorter. But I want to yeah. highlight some things here. Um, one thing I'm not going to spend too much time talking about is the actual lockdown. Um, because I thought a lot of people dealt with a couple issues. But it's really the before and after. Okay? To kind of bring people through. But, um, yeah, now, four months later or two months later, depending on when your lockdown started, <laughs> four months since, uh, since New Year's. How's your life changed? How is your work changing? Um, I mean, are you point, looking, let me put that another way. Are you looking at walking out the door to going back to the, the, the path you were following and what you expected, or have, have you made changes? Are you going in a, you know? Honestly, I mean, after this time working here, I was completely ready to go out and uh, just keep doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, there is this feeling that, you know, distance, uh, wash your hand and all that. But um, to me, right now, after three weeks from where I started to go to the office, I mean, I just feel like I went back to the, to the routine, you know, mm -hmm. and... Uh, Everyone at the office, we do wash our hands, but we need to talk to each other and we need to get back to our life. Yeah. Right. So, and we have meetings and we need to sit in a small room where the editing suite is and uh, just talk and <laughs> go back to our life. So I don't, I feel like, yeah, some things change, uh, like being careful, but uh but also I have this feeling that everything went back to normal. But, you know, with this thing in my back mm -hmm. uh, of the corona and uh, if I, I mean, would I get sick at some point? I don't know. Uh, but I just don't think about it. Anymore. All right. You had to set up uh, a home office. I watched you doing it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was not your first experience, I'm sure, but uh, how did you feel about that? And is that something that you think you'd like to maintain or was that more disruptive than being in the editing studio or being, you know? I think uh, one thing that it's always, uh, that I do love from, you know, working from home is the flexibility of my time. How to, how do I spend my time? And, and also, you know, but um, at the same time, and specifically in this project where I'm working right now, communication is, is always a key, but this time it was like very essential, you know, keep uh, very straight communication with my editor, producers and all that. So I was, I mean, it was not a bad experience, but it was also a little bit of waiting for this guy to answer me when he had the time. And at the office, I just walked to the, his office and asked, hey, how, uh, how do I do this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, come on, where is yeah. it? Yeah. What was that that you told me to find? Okay, this, all right. And two minutes. And working from home in this condition, it means that I would send a message in the morning and I might get one midday. But in the meanwhile, of course, I, have, I, know, I, know, I knew what to do. But uh, but I mean it has good things. But uh, I rather for now just uh, be close to the people you're working with. Okay. My, my part. Yeah. What's uh? Is there anything that you did during lockdown, or learned during lockdown, or tried during lockdown that you <laughs> wouldn't usually have done, but you took advantage of the time, or you were bored, or whatever? Yeah, uh, I'm very into learning compositing, VFX, Blender, like 3D modeling. It was something that I even did before the getting into the film thing. Uh, so after work, I would just turn off the, I had the Mac here, a Mac computer. So I would turn that off and turn on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, okay, of course I would take a break and all that, but then uh, at some point later after work, I would you know, do some tutorials and stuff like that. Like, go back to that. I mean, I usually practice for a while, took a break when I get stuck and then <laughs> take it again. So I, that was, uh, during that time, I was like going back to that uh, project of my own, of learning this stuff. Okay. Um, the first minute you walk out the door, I mean, maybe going to work the first time, the first time you really felt like I'm out the door, what is the first thing you wanted? What is the first thing you did? I went to the supermarket to buy beer, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that was a, the re, it was a whole discussion with my wife because we were very worried about the whole situation and we were ordering online. But at some point, I mean, we cannot order online and be on a queue for, I don't know, three days because that was more or less what you have to wait. I'm just going to the supermarket as everyone else and we get that pack of beers and uh, all the stuff we need that we didn't buy, you know? So, but uh, yeah, it was the first time I went out, it was just like to the supermarket, uh, you know, buy stuff and mm-hmm. stuff that we didn't order that was not primary, but it would be nice to have it when watching a film or something. <laughs> okay. Um, as life is getting back to normal, is there anything that scares you or makes you nervous thinking about this 
lockdown ending or the next phase? That it repeats again. Everyone's talking about a second wave, right? And uh, as I, uh, I heard that in summer, there will be no more cases, like, uh, the, you know, the line will flat or go down. I don't know, I'm not sure, but uh, there is always this uh, a scenario that we will have a second wave. And what keeps me worried is that going back to work from home, actually, like, ah, back to that situation again. I mean, I can do it, yeah, of course, but uh, and we have a uh, experience, but uh, I just, uh, the lockdown, I think that's mm -hmm. uh, going mm -hmm. back to that situation, that will be. All right, let's even look bigger. Did you, during lockdown or even now, have any feelings like, a lot of people are experiencing either that the pandemic is bringing out the best in people or the pandemic is what we deserve or, you know, <laughs> did you have any more, let's say, philosophical thoughts of it or is this just the way things go? Uh, I mean, I, I, in my head, I live in two worlds, Denmark and then Latin America. And the way people are handling this situation in these two parts of the world is completely different. Since the very beginning here in Denmark and after the lockdown, there were, yes, a few days where people were taking care of themselves, staying home and all that. But at some point, I mean, you will see people walking outside. There was no sign of use of masks, for example, or gloves or whatever. In Colombia or Venezuela, like I'm from Venezuela, and but in, I have family in Colombia as well. And I will hear of people like they will not allow you to get into the supermarket if you don't have a mask or gloves. So it was like living these two worlds, completely different two worlds, right? And uh, then I would think like, are we? Is people? I mean, who's the stupid one? Who 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 is the one? being so much influenced by media or who's the one being so naive or who's what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Why these two different scenarios? And then a lot of thoughts that it would take a lot of time to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to say. And we'll have years to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, how do you think social distancing, continued social distancing, because there's a part of this we're going to live with for a while, yeah. okay? How do you think that impacts um, both your cultures? Because you do have two distinct cultures. And also, do you think it'll impact your work? Well, in my work, I mean, in where we're, where we're working, uh, we share an office with two other companies, let's say, and uh, we do keep our distance. I mean, there are not that many lunch together on the, on the table, mostly us, our team. Uh, but my point, I mean, I don't feel that as an issue anymore, the social distancing. I mean, if one of them gets sick, we're all going to get sick. That's a, that's a, fa a fact. <laughs> But in the street, when you go out, of course, um, I mean, you feel like people still like, you know, keep the distance. Okay, you pass first and, you know, all that kind of thing. And in that sense, uh, yeah. Well, let's even look at it. Yeah, I'll give you a stupid example. Um, I like to watch Grey's Anatomy. 
I was two thirds <laughs> of the way through the system uh, through the season, and it stops. And I was like, "Wait, that's not a season ending. What's going on?" And I check, and it's like, "No, they had to stop filming the season for the coronavirus." So obviously, mm-hmm. in editing, uh, in film, and everything, social distancing is impacting at least some of the big productions. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if it's going to impact the smaller ones. Yeah, I mean, for us, uh, we had a lot of planning on shooting in different countries in U.S., New York. Uh, Saudi, Saudi Arabia, and can't remember what else, but uh, all that is, has been postponed, and we don't know when. And we are even discussing if it's, we are actually gonna shoot those uh, uh, scenes, whatever. I know. I mean, when I was talking about my work, it's like we we take we take it easy. But I know I have even read in some Facebook groups of people like. And you can feel the des- desperate. I mean, people that are were used to working as a freelance and their life just stopped. Mm. And, you know, the, I mean, but I, I can't say much about that. I mean, I don't know. But I, I get you. I mean, a lot of production just stopped. And we are part of it. I mean, we are part of this uh, group of, well, we don't know when are we going to shoot what we, we're missing for a film. Yeah, and it's funny because on the one hand, you have this problem of production. And we are, uh, as an NGO, but also as freelancers, one of those examples of everything that came to a screeching stop. There's no way we can do what we do if we can't travel. Yeah, exactly. But on the other hand, uh, my friends in in distribution are going Mm. insane because they're like, just (laughs) produce. We need content. Not only aren't the big houses producing, but people are watching five times more than before. They've gone through the whole catalog. We need more stuff. So, you know, it's, it's an opportunity and at the same time a problem. Yeah, it will be interesting to hear from someone who works as a distributor. How are they handling this frozen part of the industry and at the same time a high demand, right? I will be interested to hear. Well, we're going to have that later. I've got <laughs> a friend of mine who's uh, an Emmy Award winning editor in California who mm. has worked for NTV and other people and obviously has a good feel of the distribution network. So we're yeah. going to be talking to her and also Kathleen Gray, uh, filmmaker, artist, uh, what do you call it, icon from the mm. 60s and 70s who released a film at Sundance and got bought in distribution immediately. And now they have to rethink the whole distribution strategy because there's no cinemas to show it. In. So we'll get the answers to that somewhere along the line <laughs> in, the, in this series. And that's the point. I think let's talk to each person and find out their piece of the puzzle. And I think then all of us will have more information from which to work. Um, <laughs> Anything else you want to share with us at this point? I want to share before we go much further because we keep dancing around it. The name of the film is Arena. It's a brilliant <laughs> film. Um, and you can see it on, you can see the trailer on Real Lives, but you can also see the original, I think, still on Film Freeway and mm-hmm. on your site. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I love it. I think it's a great <laughs> film. I want to see you doing more of that, quite frankly. Um, especially mm-hmm. when I see your um, production shots of you in the canoes. Just, uh, it's, it, it is the perfect example of that kind of field work. Yeah, that's perfect. It was a really great experience working in this project. 
And we kept, uh, we kept a lot of uh, contact with the people there. And we actually got a message yesterday from one of them saying that they, they're having a hard time as well because, because Colombia took like really right away, like really hard, uh, how you call like a restriction and lockdown. Everyone is supposed to be doing nothing, but nobody has guarantee of, you know, any type of support. And uh, yeah, I'm, well, two things. Uh, we talk a lot about going back in and one of my plans is to see this, what's the situation now and what can be done? Maybe if I go for a trip of two weeks, I might have enough to build something and then, you know, do a second round of, I don't know, but properly with funds and all that. Mm -hmm. That will be interesting uh, because I think it's a good uh, example, you know, like a good case to follow or the, I don't know, to focus on this case and because they, they still have, I mean, they lost the, the the place they lost the the I don't know how it's called in English but uh, the when they were extracting the sand the license they lost yeah. the sand the license at all I mean nobody is just listen they it's like they don't exist and when you go through the law and what it's supposed to protect and all that it's just contradictions everywhere and they just don't exist uh, so yeah it would be nice I mean we have talked about going back there. Yeah, I think part. it's it's very relevant. I think what we were looking at doing um, with the indigenous, which we've had to put on hold, um, the issue arose there. Now we've got illegal sand mining up there where people are taking it mm. away from the indigenous and they've already killed uh, a mm. protector of one of the reserves. Mm. Um, and at the same time, uh, COVID is has entered the indigenous community. So they're shutting down and isolating. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, when you're ready to get back, to go back, let's talk, because I definitely want to cover this issue from multiple sides. And I think, okay. you know, I think this is something important. I think right now it's kind of hard mm. because at least for my sake, I feel like entering in this moment, I'm not helping. There's too much going on and some, communities are choosing to isolate which may be the best thing for them the last thing i want to do is be the missionary that brings the flu you know talking about the <laughs> yeah. 19th century <laughs> yeah you know it's funny when, when my wife went there the first time to the community during around Mar march when she was there mm -hmm. uh the one of the, the person living there we, we know her as uh, having like you know this is type of personality like always say really hard stuff but uh, she don't mean it you know and the first thing she said why you didn't come back after you know last time did you bring the corona thing <laughs> <laughs> and she, she, she didn't think about it we, yeah. we didn't think about that at the time i mean we were not that uh, the, the the bomb didn't explode like you know all the thing uh, lockdown and all these uh, lockdown things uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, we have also another project that we are also have on hold. I'm, I'm just waiting for people to answer me. When are they able to be interviewed? That's yeah, another, it's a thing of uh, of our own. But uh, just waiting for. I'm ready to go out and shoot and do interviews. But uh, it doesn't depend on me. <laughs> yeah, oh, I understand you. You know, I'm. If I shoot, 
um, slow-mo or time-lapse or hyper-lapse of mm. the fields of the farmer next door one more time, I'm going to like kill the farmer. I don't know, but it's the <laughs> only scene I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Ricardo, thank you very much. This has been a great call. It's nice to check in with you. I want to keep in touch on your projects much more closely if I can. I think there's a lot of parallels in what we're doing, but I really like what you're doing. Sure. So, sure. It would be nice to meet again then. We will. Talk. We yeah. will. All right. Have a good day. You too. Thanks. Rack it up, rack it up. I got a bit of the bank to make me a safe house. Shake it up, shake it up. She got her hands on her knees and she bringing the cake out. Smoke it up, smoke it up. I got some gas, some packs. I'm up in the greenhouse. Ball it up, ball it up. I'm with the gang. We taking shots off the rebound.